You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. Well, we're in it now. It failed. In the last few hours, we have learned that warships are coming this way from Earth. Their orders are to seize command of Babylon 5 by force. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. My words are inadequate to the burden of my heart. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. And assuming we survive this, how old will you be in a year if you don't want to speak Mimbari? It's like I've always said, you can get more with a kind word and a two before than you can with just a kind word. Please, continue. Only one human can ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. You value your lives. Be somewhere else. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, season 3, episode 13, a late delivery from Avalon. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we we are are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. A traveller arrives on the station claiming to be a character out of the Arthurian legends. Sheridan and Ivanova try to gain recognition of the station's new status among the alien governments. Written by JMS and directed by Mike Vijar, this episode was released on April 22nd, 1996, and takes place in July 2260. And the guest stars. The fabulous Michael York as David Arthur McIntyre. Michael Kagan as Emmett. Oh, Emmett Far... Is it Farquhar? Oh, I don't know whether you heard his surname. But anyway, Emmett. Yeah, Far- Farquhar. Yeah, oh. Farquhar. Yeah. Roger Hampton as Merchant. Donna Hardy as Old Woman. Michael Francis Kelly as security guard number one. James Kiriyama Lem as medtech. Robert Shush as lurker. And Jerry O'Donnell as security guard number two. Uh, uncredited, we have Stephen Austin Scordelis as lurker Pacamara and Bill Blair as alien. So, guys, what do we think about this episode? Well, it uh, it wasn't the best episode in the world, but uh, we had Logan from Logan's Run, and we had a bit of post office shenanigans, which I can definitely get behind. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, really, what more can I say? It wasn't uh, it wasn't great, but I remember the whole post office thing. Uh, I I thought there was a little bit more to it, but it's been a while since I've seen this episode until recently. But uh, yeah, it was it was all right. Although it's uh, the whole. Um, Arthur and Battle of the Line thing kind of seemed like it would have been a better season one kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Dan, what did you make of it? Yeah, definitely. It felt like season one had a leftover script and they just thought, ah, let's just shove it in season three. We've been doing so well. Let's just have a little break. Um, But I think I enjoyed this episode so much more because of that post office stuff, knowing I was going to get to talk about it with Sean, (laughs) just (laughs) knowing that there were going to be so much more to talk about. Had this been at any other time, I don't think I would have rated it as highly, but I actually enjoyed that whole side bit. I was kind of hoping that you know, Garibaldi was going to have some Acme gadgets that were going to help him, help him get it. And he was just constantly going to be like Wiley Coyote trying to get this box. And we could have just pushed the whole Avalon thing to one side. Um, as it was, I mean, it being Michael York made this a lot better than I think it deserves to be. Um, so I'm probably not going to be as harsh on this as I probably was with similar types of episodes in the past. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point uh, that, Sean made there being a season one episode. I think uh, that, that's that's a good shout. Um, but yeah, it's it's not one of the better ones. But uh, <laughs> let's let's get on with the uh, what what happened. The quick quick review of the uh, of the episode. So Garibaldi is having an issue with the import taxes of from the post office, but Sean refuses to give him his parcel. <laughs> um, typical post office. <laughs> Meanwhile, on an approaching ship. Uh, D'Artagnan from the 1973 film The Three Musketeers is having dreams about a sword. Don't you mean Basil Exposition? Oh, yes. <laughs> Come on, that's Logan from Logan's Run. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just picked the, the good, the bad, the ugly out of these three yeah, films here. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Marcus has spotted uh, the early signs of banter flu. Uh, I suppose the lurkers were all uh, taking the mickey out of each other. You know, a bit of banter. Banter <laughs> flu. Uh, okay. Marcus... <laughs> Good one, Paul. <laughs> oh, thanks for your support, Sean. That's so good. Marcus gives Dr. Franklin about five minutes of backstory before we return to the main story. Uh, Arthur has arrived, but he is not mad. Hmm, apparently. <laughs> Marcus takes control and pacifies Arthur. He agrees to allow the doctor to examine him. The visitor says he is Arthur and and that the last thing he remembers is being injured on the battlefield and taken to Avalon to heal, where he was to sleep until he was needed again. Nobody believes him, although there is some doubt. Marcus uh, reminds them about Mr. Sebastian uh, being taken off Earth by the Vorlons. Oh, here we go again. We've already had Jack the Ripper. Now we've got Arthur being taken by aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dear. Uh, meanwhile, the English patient has escaped. He wanders around down below, uh, talking to uh, the less fortunate. Uh, Shikar receives some messages from Narn when he sees a mugging in, pro- in progress. Before he can do something, in comes Arthur. He takes out the thugs, and when their friends turn up, is joined by Shikar. After the battle, he joins Arthur for a pint of chocolate milkshake. Uh, Shikar become, uh, becomes Sir Shikar, the Red Knight. Did did you guys see that? They, they, in a pub, you know, obviously supposed to be in a little cubicle there, you know, typical English pub setting. They're drinking what looks like a pint of chocolate milkshake. Mm. Yeah, it kind of did look like that. It, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, if they, at least make it look like beer. And then so the whole setting is, is complete then. I'm sure they can replicate some beer or something. I don't know what, what are the stocks it's, they've got there. It's, it's, it's future alien booze. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
or someone's got a microbrewery in their own back garden and they're just sort of like, you know, making chocolate beer, hazelnut beer, you know, they're doing all the different flavours. That's what it is. Well, that's right. What do Ivana have we got? She's got coffee. She's got like coffee yeah. beans growing. What the first thing thing you would do is a is a you know still get a still working. That's what any decent human being would do, wouldn't they? Alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Meanwhile, Garibaldi is trying to break into the post office and gets caught. Arthur and Jakar do some more male bonding, but Arthur keeps getting flashbacks. If you want the uh, the story of Arthur, then Michael York is the man to tell it, having played him before. <laughs> they are found by Marcus, but Arthur has drunk Shakar under the table. Uh, Sheridan is talking to the non-lined worlds, uh, looking for support in exchange for their commerce. Dr. Franklin has taken some DNA from Arthur and has found his real identity. He has to tell Arthur who he really is, but Marcus doesn't want him to, as it would cause him harm. Arthur is still having the dreams. Uh, he turns out to be David McIntyre, aged 52, honourably discharged from Earth Force in 2253 with the Silver Star for Valour. He, he was in the Battle of the Line, one of 200 to have survived. He was the gunnery sergeant of the Prometheus, the ship at first encounter with the Mimbari, and mistook the Mimbari ship uh, arriving with their gun ports open as an ag- act of aggression, and not as a sign of respect. The captain had panicked, attacked the ship, and started the whole Earth-Mimbari war. McIntyre was the man who fired the shots. He was absolved of any blame, as he was only following orders of his captain. Even so, this slowly ate him up inside, and his mind created the Arthurian legend to protect him. But the memories returned, and he blacks out. Sheridan has enough of the non-aligned worlds on their side to make things work. And Arthur, stroke David, has regressed to his own mind. But why did he come to Babylon 5? He has to return Excalibur to the Lady of the Lake. This, of course, is Delenn, who he needs to help absolve him from the guilt he feels in, the, in his part in starting the war. This he does, and all is well. Garibaldi pays his 100 credits for the box, but manages to get 101 credits back due to the post office not paying their rent. But then again, who is? Who is paying the rent on that station at the moment? Because if, if the post office isn't doing it because they haven't got the links to Earth Force, then who's paying the rent? Mm-hmm. David leaves for Narn with Jakar to join the resistance. And Marcus remembers Arthur and compares Kosh to Merlin. Mm. Yeah, although I'm starting to doubt that Marcus is actually British because he made a, a Dickens reference this week, but he didn't make a single Monty Python reference <laughs> with all of this Arthurian legend going around him. <laughs> Not one, really. Didn't think of maybe just saying you can't give, give the sword back to some aquatic tarp, you know, nothing. <laughs> No. Like he could have even said, you know, with the fighting, you know, the fighting's going on, and you know, uh, Arthur's fighting away there. If some, if somebody had just like nicked his arm and he said, "Ah, it's a bit, it is just a scratch," what do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, that would have nothing. Been Not even one. Nah, just have Marcus go knee for no reason, <laughs> and that it doesn't it doesn't explain it. Nothing. Yes, if, wow. I knew, if I knew the quote fully, he could have, you know, Shikar could have been stood up on the on the top there watching the fight going on. And when somebody says, are you going to join? And he could have shouted <laughs> down, your mother smells of elderberries. And <laughs> Just goes off clacking his coconut. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see that happening. <laughs> oh, dear. So anything else anybody wants to bring up about this episode at all? No, I think we need to be done with it. 
<laughs> I, th- I think we need a promo. That's a good idea. Let's play a promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Attention, people of Earth. Looking for a way to kill half an hour every week? Try the Flopcast. It's a silly podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and chickens. Join us. Bring coffee. We're on the ESO Network. And we're at Flopcast.net. Okay, on to the trivia. Michael York, who plays David Arthur McIntyre, Previously played Merlin in a young in a young Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court in 1995, and later played King Arthur in the Wonderful World of Disney's A Night in Camelot in 1998. There you go. <laughs> At approximately uh, four minutes thirty in the episode, Michael York mispronounces Avalon by instead saying Alavon. A common mistake when reciting written text where a oh god. Piominant, 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 whatever, consonant uh, can be replaced to another location in a word. Another example is the word, I believe Sean says, nuclear, erroneously pronounced as nuclear. Nuclear. Marcus claims to be several generations removed from his ancestors who lived in the United Kingdom. It is therefore unlikely, though not impossible, that he would have a distinct British accent, since accents are not hereditary. Um, you speak like your father? Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Uh, anyway, Sean, are there any Star Trek connections? Uh, there's one. Uh, Michael... Kagan Emmett Fakwa uh, was in Star Trek Voyager's episode uh, Q2 as, get this, Alien Commander. Ooh. Mm. Very good. Mm. Well, regular Fakwa. <laughs> yeah, Lord, Lord Fakwa. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the ratings. Um, so uh, our ratings are normally out of five, and IMDb uh, do theirs out of ten, as I'm sure you're all aware by now. Uh, IMDb gave this episode seven, which equates to three point five on our scale. Sean, what do you rate it? Well, that's a good question, Paul. Um, the post office stuff is pretty cool. Uh, I always like King Arthur stuff, but this really had no bearing on anything. And then poor guy had a psychotic break that only Delenn could fix. At the uh, so at least she got her uh, her week's pay for being in the episode at the very end. Uh, I originally wrote down 3.8, but I think that might be too high. So let's go with uh, just a good three. There's nothing good about a three. Um, Nothing good about this episode, even a three. Dan, what did you make it? There were, there were some really good things in this episode, like the, the trying to get a new defense contract, you know, with all of the non-aligned worlds, because they know they can't just rely on the Mimbari. So there was, at least it was keeping the whole, arc going on they didn't just ignore it and go out for one episode so at least there is that and it had some relevance and we had the post office thing which i thought was actually a genuinely fun thing and given that we've just had two weeks of a really big war type part of the arc story it was a nice sort of comedy beat 
for Garibaldi to play for a while. And again, I kind of wish they'd sort of done more with it and just had more jokes going all the way through because um, they really got seriously in trouble. You know, they can take on Earth Force any day, but not the Postal Service. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed a good Arthur story as well, but it just doesn't really seem to have any bearing on anything or or mean anything. I mean, I know they kind of alluded that Kosh could have been part of it, but you know it, it doesn't go anywhere it's purely just someone dealing with trauma so it doesn't really have any relevance to anything and it's only because of michael york that i was enjoying the performance had it been any other actor i don't think i would have given it as good a time so i enjoyed it as a nice bit of tv but it's really not stand out so it's slap bang in the middle 2.5 okay renew 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 <laughs> I think there was also the fact that, you know, last week we had the ceremonies of light and stuff and they were sort of deciding where are they going to stand. And if they'd had like this crazy man talking about Arthurian legend last week as well, and this just kind of got resolved this week, it could have been, a thought, oh, what, let's call back to King Arthur's court. Let's be better than ourselves. Let's, you know, again, it's that thing where I keep on saying if they'd taken this plot, put it in a week earlier, it might have worked a little bit better. Yeah, I think um, as we said at the beginning of the episode, this 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 episode really is actually. If this had been in the first series, like uh, first season, as, as Sean said, this actually yeah. would have got this would have got higher scores, I think, because it actually isn't a bad Cause, story. Cause it, right, because it would have tied into the whole Sinclair backstory and, and all that good stuff with the Battle of the Line and, yeah. and everything with that. Yeah, absolutely. This, this this was nothing. It was way too late, and the only good thing was the post office scenes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So, I mean, the, the, the actual story of him you know, having this trauma and his mind works into this Arthurian legend and it all works with Delaine and he has to, she has to forgive him. That works really well. I thought that was a really good idea that he's got, you know, the, the only way that he's going to be forgiven is by the people he was fighting against and the commander who, who was there. So that makes really good sense. But this is far too late in that we're getting into the serious stuff now, into the middle of the, of the whole um series of, of Babylon 5 um, where the war's taking place and you know everything's really kicking off and then we get dragged back to a season one episode which is a nice little episode in itself but doesn't really belong here so I, I'm I'm possibly being a little bit harsh I've been I've actually pushed my score up a little bit from what I was going to give it um, and I think I might go a little bit higher again because I've just talked myself into it um, because the story does make sense. It's not a stupid story. It's not a boring story. It's just in the wrong place. Right. I, I'm going to push this up. And, and maybe, maybe before you give your rating, we we have to acknowledge the title. It's a, a late delivery from Avalon. <laughs> that's why it's in season three. It should have been in season one, but it's late. It's late. That's right. Yeah, well, that's it's all to do with the post office, isn't it? It's a late delivery again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Double entendres. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yes. So I'm going to go with that and give it a 2.5. I am um, originally able to give, give it a lowly two, but and which puts it into my bottom 10 so far, mm. uh, which it, which I wanted it to go in there. I wanted it to be long down there. But I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm talking myself out of it the more I talk. So 2.5 is probably a little harsh, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah it, not, it's not it brought back Jakar catfighting. I mean, at least when he stood in there, he went... <laughs> And oh, the yeah. whole cat fight thing again. Yeah. You know, it's nice to see that back. Mm-hmm. True. Very good. Okay. So I believe that's the end of the episode. Join us next week when we will be discussing season three, episode 14, Sick Transit Via. I don't know, Chief. I don't know if we should be doing this. It's my stuff. 
But don't worry, I'll leave the money behind for what it should have cost. Now, what are you so nervous about? We went up against the entire Earth Alliance in two carrier groups. Yeah, but this is the post office. This could get us in real trouble. Wait, isn't Garibaldi down nineteen dollars? Because it was a hundred dollars for the shot box. Off the lock. Yeah. And he shot at the lock for twenty. Yeah. And he charged him the one extra dollar for the you know to make the, the rent back. Ah. So he's down actually nineteen dollars. Uh, that's true. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> he's 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 a security guard, not a mathematician. Exactly, he's a security guard. Yeah, he doesn't do maths. No. It only just occurred to me when you mentioned that. There we go. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.